Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Cree and Scroll of all ages, welcome to MCU Beyond Infinity, a weekly podcast where three friends have assembled to discuss the most recent installments and all things related to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. My name is John, and joining me as your tour guides through this multiverse of madness are Kira and Travis. Welcome to the Justice League Snyder Cut podcast. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> we have to cut down all of the color, make sure it's black and white, put it in the worst possible aspect ratio as possible, and then make as it as long and... as possible. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to uh, MCU Beyond Infinity podcast, our uh, second official episode, third episode, uh, discussing episode seven of WandaVision, Breaking the Fourth Wall. I'm Kira, uh, along with my co-hosts, John and Travis. Hello. Hoi hoi. How you guys doing? Doing fine. Yeah, I'm doing really good. I'm excited to be uh, to be talking about this episode because yeah, <laughs> a lot to unpack and yeah. And again, we've we've mentioned it. The, having a mystery show, part of the fun is um, you know theorizing and talking about things. And this episode has confirmed a lot of what we've talked about for a long time, but it's also kind of doubled down on a lot of things that. Uh, you know, we weren't quite sure about and it, it, it brings up as many questions as it answers as it always does. And like past theories now come back into play and uh, just still no concrete answers. And no, yeah, I actually have more theories now than I did the last episode. I know. Uh, and we're in the we're in the we're in the end game now. There's only two more episodes. after. Oh, this, good so. Lord. Well, yeah, I think like it's basically going to ditch the. um episodic uh sitcom well again i don't want to go right into the end of the episode but um so much happened in this episode and and i know you guys have you guys were talking crazy uh offline and doing way more footwork than i've been um for this and i i i love this episode and i think it's uh i liked it more than the last three honestly just because um I don't know. It gave us our it gave us our big bad, right? That's that's it one thing the show has it been. It has, yeah. Like we have a definitive villain now, and and like we, we have, have a villain. Not yeah, and I don't want to suck my own neck. I was villain. saying last <laughs> I was saying last episode that she was full of shit with Vision. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. You definitely told that. I uh, I I do think that there could very well be something more behind there, and because of how. Uh, or they slap you in the face with, "Hey, I'm I'm the villain. Like how bad I am. I killed the dog. It's here's that this musical great. number about how I, I'm a monster." It's, By the way, I <laughs> killed Sparky or something. Yeah, yeah. That's how it cuts to the credits. It's such God a. I uh, love Catherine Hange. What a f- oh yeah, she's fantastic. Uh, the, treasure. The, the, yeah, the facial she is expressions indeed. and the delivery of the lines are just all so good. So um, we jumped right into. So how did it pick up? 
I mean, you you kind of brought it up before. We're kind of at the end of the sitcom format. I mean, we got the Dick Van Dyke 1950s stuff. We got the I Dream of Jeannie, um, Bewitched uh, 60s stuff. We got our 70s Brady Bunch, Partridge Family shit. We got the 80s, 90s Roseanne, Full House, um, Family Ties stuff. And and Malcolm in the Middle, obviously, was the, the last episode that we talked about. But this week, Modern Family, The Office, those kind of um, speak to the camera. Mockumentary confessional, Mm -hmm. which is a great there is a great set piece with, uh, you know, Vision keeps getting sidelined by what we think is Wanda uh, preventing it from getting home. But I guess we find out it's Agatha Harkness that's preventing him and Darcy getting back. And he's doing that sort of talking head uh, next to the truck and he kind of like snaps out of it. Like, what what am I doing here? And like takes (laughs) takes his mic off from the documentary. (laughs) I love that. I love it. Yeah. One thing I did notice, and I mean, I've, I've mentioned like how I was a Lost fan, so I always like kind of get off on those previously on WandaVision or previously on Lost. Like each episode has started with a previously on WandaVision, and it's been um, Elizabeth Olsen doing it as as Wanda. But I've noticed it. I've seen people on the Internet notice it with each episode. Uh, Wanda's sounding like increasingly more and more like tired and less confident and less cheerful, almost like uh, it's kind of reflecting her like diminishing mental state in, sure. in this TV show. I don't know if you guys picked up on that, too, or if I'm if I'm stretching it too thin and just kind of looking for everything to kind of be uh, some sort of Easter egg or some sort of clue. But it, definitely something I picked up on right away. Oh, yeah, I I. I did not pick up on it until someone mentioned it to me, and then, yeah, I could definitely hear it. It's it's there. Uh, so did you guys go back and watch this more than once, or... Um... Yes, I did. <laughs> I, I, I Again, the legwork you guys are doing on this uh, particular episode, I appreciate. Uh, did, you, did you go back and watch um, the previous episodes at all? Just because, especially since we finally get vindication that Agnes is not only Agatha Harkness, but is behind all of this there's obviously some things to see in a different light i mean they kind of showed it in agnes agnes's little uh own quote-unquote uh show tune that that we got at the end of the episode where it went back and showed her pulling the strings but did you guys go back at all and uh watch for any other easter eggs that you might have missed i i did not i most of my like work this uh we just been just reading older comics and stuff like that, uh, like that eighties or the the second eighties Scarlet Witch and Vision miniseries. So, uh, because there was so much of that, I kind of want to hand this over to you guys. And um, I mean, I I like to think of myself as a comic book fan, but um, again, with the Nexus, it, it flew by my head. I'll admit. Um. Obviously, uh, that was the last commercial that we're probably going to get. Um, what do you think that feeds into your theory that you had in uh, our past episode, John? Uh, I don't. I don't really know. Like, I, I think the Nexus stuff again. We'll get to it in a couple minutes because I think there's a lot of stuff to just kind of dig into, just in terms of how this episode played out before getting into all the the crazy theorizing and and where this could lead and like where it came from again with the comic books, but. Um, I, I think, you know, the idea of bringing up the Nexus or Nexus beings or whatever it is definitely opens this whole thing up 
um, to the idea of a multiverse in a really fun and clever way with uh, the time variance agency coming and the TVA coming and the Loki show, you know, being confirmed that Scarlet Witch is going to be a big part of Doctor Strange. Uh, Sam Raimi being involved in Doctor Strange is, you know, another thing to really look forward to with uh, another big reveal that we'll get into involving a book towards the end of the episode. Um, (laughs) um, But yeah, it definitely lends some credence to like where uh, the future of Marvel Cinematic Universe, especially this little pocket corner of it, this little magical, fun, ancient, eldritch cosmic corner is going to be going. I think so. Yeah, I I find that interesting because of the like the nexus things that are linked to the, the time variance authority. Beforehand, we've seen people behind the scenes talking about how uh, WandaVision, Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, and the Spider-Man uh, 3 is going to be like a loose trilogy, but we know that the Time Variance Authority is in Loki as well, and right. uh, there have been like little hints that maybe there will be a link, a more direct link. Uh, I mean, so, there has to be, like... Well, yeah, like, I, I'm still not going to throw out my Mephisto theory. I know it's one of the more common ones, but we see, like, a stained glass thing in the Loki trailer that looks pretty much like Mephisto, so it's it's possible. Uh, and there's a whole lot of devil talk going on. Oh, there I, I'm is, still there not, is. like, settled on... Because, again, they're not going to just... <sighs> <laughs> I'm not sold on it just being completely Agatha Harkness. And uh, and again, uh, as John's brought up uh, a couple of times, that Agatha Harkness was never a true blue villain. And um, they're showing that that appears to be the case now. Um, does anyone still hold doubts to uh, or think anything else is still going on with that? Yeah, yeah. I, I had a, a thought about... Uh... The scene where uh, Billy tells Agatha that she can't read her, uh, that he can't read her at all. Uh, I, you can take that a few different ways. It could be that she's just warded against uh, telepathy or whatever, or it could be because she's just being puppeteered. Now, granted, it would be a bit odd to have uh, somebody being puppeteered that's like manipulating someone else at some next level. <laughs> Because otherwise, uh, then, like, Marvel's kind of just watching everybody run wild with these theories with uh, Master Pandemonium-type theories. And, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's so I, many. I'm still not giving up hope on my Master Pandemonium theory. I would love that, oh, yeah. We have listeners not giving up hope about uh, Evan Peters' Quicksilver. And, um, and I can't fully blame them because, like, we've gotten a few episodes with them now, and there's like they haven't dispelled the doubts entirely, and they haven't confirmed them. And I think uh, I went a little bit back in like confidence um, <laughs> this last episode because, you know, especially when she goes and again, we're kind of like jumping all over the place here. But like when she goes in that basement, it could very well be her like pulling uh, characters from the multiverse. But I'm kind of comfortable with the the button scene um, again, jumping all over the place with that, not supporting it. But what I was going to say is um it would seem like we're all coming these crazy theories, but it's just been on the face. Like it's, it was a very easily deduced uh, sort of conclusion to come to that Agnes was Agatha Harkness and that she was pulling the strings or at least not who she seemed to be. And if, if what they're showing us is what it is, and there was really nothing much to figure out and it can't be that, right? Yeah. That, that is kind of uh, one of the things that gives me pause on her being the only villain is that, it was kind of obvious for most people 
granted, uh, this isn't, I guess, super heavy material, I suppose. It's not, uh, uh, proper cinema, I suppose. <laughs> hey, now watch your fucking mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's super yeah. heavy. It's trans-dimensional fucking mystical beings and shit. It's as heavy yeah, as it Yeah, but it's, it's, it's for the mainstream audience. They're not trying to confuse them too Travis much. Travis is trying to say it's McDonald's and not... I'm being very <laughs> snobby right now. Like it's, <laughs> it's for the dumb fucks. It's not... <laughs> Uh, no, uh, but there, uh, I don't know, there's, I just don't think it's going to be just Agatha, I, I think there's a little bit more to it, but there's like a million other people that could be behind the scenes, I was, there's a character named Despair, I, the, the purple glow in the, uh, on the vines made me think of Dormammu, and his purple glow around, like, Cecilius's eyes, how that could be a possibility, him like backing out on the deal now that he knows the time stone's out of play. Uh I'm with you too. I think I think I think I've mentioned before too, for the sake of uh storytelling mechanics and like where we are in this series, I would like to see Agatha Harkness and um and this character be the the main big bad of the show itself, whether or not there's a larger force at play behind the scenes uh, controlling all of this is another story. I I 100% think that there is. I 100% think that there's some sort of Mephesto or nightmare or despair or something behind the scenes. But for the sake of the story mechanics of WandaVision, I think we got our big bad, and it's Catherine Hahn. It's it's the horny chick from Step Brothers, being amazing, like so good. Well, like uh, like and like Travis brought up, um, Cassilius and the Zealots from uh, um, Doctor Strange bringing about that's that could be basically Agatha Harkness's role in this. Is she's basically. Some and that's kind of like what we've talked about, and it was kind of like my my theory in the beginning of the series was these kids were trying; they were trying to birth these kids as a means, and uh, you know you could tell that Agatha was trying to have access to these kids the whole time. You you know making Wanda say the line again, and um, you want me to hold the kids, and always trying to babysit them. And obviously she's done something with them when Wanda goes to look from the basement. It was obvious. I mean, and in the comics, who's that, you know, whose soul is, are, are the kids attached to, you know I mean? Of course. And, but I mean, that, would that be too obvious? Cause then you just have to pick up a comic book and then you know how the series is going to go. So there's really, you don't know. Yeah. 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 Uh, also, with the, the Dormammu theory, like him trying to expand his influence, uh, I could see, I don't necessarily think it is Dormammu or anything like that, but I could see a, a plot line where he's uh, trying to get Wanda to break open the multiverse to spread his influence. Uh, and, but, and and it connects, that'll connect to the... Yeah, and Doctor it would Strange, be more of a multiverse like... Strange. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that again makes me... We don't know what the multiverse means. So many people think it's bringing over other franchises, characters. I'm not sold on that. In the comics, uh, Wanda is what's called a Nexus being. Um, Let's talk about that, John. Talk about that for a while. Yeah. I mean, Nexus beings are <laughs> like a kind of convoluted 
idea. I was joking before. One of the reasons it's so convoluted is like midway through the um, West Coast Avengers run, Marvel fired John Byrne uh, as he was kind of explaining what they what they even are to begin with. But Nexus beings are essentially an individual who exists separate from any one reality or timeline. Um, so they're almost like a, a kind of constant where everything else would be a variable, which is one of the reasons why House of M, which is like a story arc that's being brought up a lot because this obviously has a lot of influence from house of m um wanda was able to kind of stay who she was within these multiple dimensions that she's created and that she's living in um gene gray is one of these kinds of individuals uh, i think cable is one kang is one of the big ones so basically like they remain the constant between the multiverse so no matter what universe they're existing in they're the same they're consistent um so you know that does open up the possibilities to this idea of the multiverse being introduced in doctor strange 2 and why wanda would play such an integral role in that um in that movie or that story or wherever marvel wants to take that i like it travis Oh uh, yeah, I uh, what you how you described uh, the Nexus beings as being the same across all like multiverses. It made me think of the Living Tribunal, and that kind of ties back in with the Time Variance Authority. Where mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm just kind of hoping that we get the, the Living Tribunal in some form. We almost got him in Endgame, but they thought it would be too weird. Uh, they, they were, were brought up briefly in the first Doctor Strange movie because Baron yeah, yeah, Wordle pulled a out. Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I definitely want some of the more uh, uh, intense, I guess, uh, cosmic beings. Uh, the conceptual stuff, like Master Chaos and Lord Order, or I may be flip flopping that, but it's. Yeah, and to, the Eternity and all those, like, really big, like, super heady. We Going back to that word heady, like, super heady, like, mm-hmm. I am the living embodiment of this gigantic cosmic force kind of thing, you know? One of the things I noticed, like, right from the start, you know, they were they were having a lot of fun with the the Modern Family sitcom, and it seems like like the tropes of the uh, of the uh, the mockumentary Talking Heads kind of thing, where where Wanda has essentially grounded herself from the events of the night before. We find out that this is taking place like right the day after Halloween, and she's like giving herself this little like quarantine style staycation at her house, right. and she's she's making cereal for herself. And I thought like a fun sugar little snaps. knob, yeah, sugar snaps like the snap. It was a very like obvious, not so. Um, subtle reference to thanos you know what i mean um the kids were playing video games and they started glitching out and i noticed one of the things that the uh, you know it turned from a wii to a gamecube controller eventually it turned to uno cards didn't it which, before that it was an atari controller right mm-hmm, yep it turned to an atari controller but the uno cards made me think of uh captain marvel and talos's kids playing with uh monica rambeau when she was a little kid and they were playing uno on the staircase in the first captain marvel uh, movie is better than mine sir yeah these are the perks of uh not having anything to do on a Saturday and getting to watch this episode a couple times in a row. Um, but then, you know, the kids uh, basically being taken away by Agatha. And, you know, we find out later down in the um, in the episode, like Agnes or Agatha, it was her all along. But um, her kind of shaming Wanda in, the, in that first scene and uh, making her like 
kind of close herself off from uh from everything and like grounding herself and becoming like super vulnerable so that way she has the chance to be like let me take the kids let me take the kids and like take some away from her you know what i mean (laughs) and that weird scene where she says like check out this mole on my back and everyone looks like super disgusted did you guys get yeah yeah i did notice it i I just assumed it was more of uh like uh a nod to her being a witch, uh, like a witch's mark, like a, a birthmark or a uh, skin tag, <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, yeah. yeah, it could get you burned, I guess. <laughs> they looked super, super tripped yeah. out. I also like, kind sketch- of wondered if, like, maybe uh, I, reading that, that 80s Scarlet Witch Invasion miniseries, there's one point where uh, the citizens of New Salem burn Agatha at the stake, and I could imagine maybe... Uh, uh, this is her taking control of this town to get revenge on them uh, for some slight. Uh, not saying it's for sure, but... Uh, no, no, kind of fun thing relating back to New Salem is, uh, and I think it was the first or the second episode, she mentions her and Ralph, who we still haven't seen, but mm-hmm. uh, their their anniversary date was the date of the Salem Witch Trials, too. No kidding. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did not realize that some eagle-eyed, like much smarter person or person with le- even less to do on a Saturday than me, like pointed <laughs> that big, out yeah, on the internet. Buff, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, some big, some big uh, sale of witch trial buff. Yeah, yeah. One um, thing we kind of forgot to mention with the Nexus commercial, it's kind of one of the, it's definitely the most interesting commercial that we've seen so far to me. Uh, uh, Man thing, like the. Uh, the defender of the nexus of all realities. Do you want to talk about him for a bit? Yeah, well, why don't you go ahead and talk about him, Travis, since you brought it up? Oh, no, I think John's better equipped. He's got more experience. <laughs> I always pass the torch, brings it up, and he's... Uh... No, yeah, Man, yeah. Travis got me really excited because I, I had... I had just gotten off of watching the first episode when we have a group text uh, chat between between the three of us um, where I was like, oh, my God, they're doing the nexus of all realities. I had just gotten to that part. And Travis is like, well, I want to save it for the show, but I'll send you this image. And he just sends me a, an image of the giant sized man thing. And like my jaw was just like, oh, this is why I love this kid. And this is why I got a podcast with this guy. Because man thing is a super weird character um, who, you know, isn't as popular as DC's version of Swamp Thing. Um, but oddly enough, he did have like odd- a shitty sci fi movie that time. That, uh, he. Uh, he- he did have a like a made for television uh, yeah, yeah, movie, yeah. did he not? Yeah, yeah. It, and like we talked online, he's also had his Easter egg in the MCU and Thor Ragnarok as well as one of the champions of the. Oh MCU. yeah, he did. And in Thor Ragnarok, he was like one of the the faces. But, but so was Beta Ray Bill, right? Yeah, that can oh, be. Yeah. We'll get him someday. Away. All <laughs> explained away is uh, so. Yeah. Like, I don't hold that as uh, man things like you know one and only. Uh, entrance in the mcu like yeah the nexus also gets a, a mention in thor the dark world on uh eric selvig's little board where he's explaining to all the geriatric people <laughs> and i remember saying it and thinking that there's uh, that it was a final easter egg but there's no way that we'd ever see man thing or or that level of uh conceptual stuff i guess in the mcu but and here we are we're going uh <laughs> you know weren't there kind of like 
it was there were roots and and sort of things leading down to Agatha's. Uh, well, basement. I have a I have a whole thing to talk about that a little bit later. We'll get to that in a little bit. Sorry, but sorry, the, but the stu- this stuff with man thing, um, you know, he he's a muck encrusted mockery of a man, very similar to Swamp Thing. He looks very similar to Swamp Thing. They actually came out within weeks of each other, and DC and Marvel both claim neither of them knew the other one was publishing it. Well, and verse versa. Time with both of them, right? It does happen all the time with both of them. Thanos and Dark Side, and it exactly it's it, you know very blatant kind of stuff. But but Man Thing is um you know he's a really weird, strange um swamp monster um who acts as the guardian for the portal of the nexus of all realities, which is like in the bayou of like the ever in the, the ever- Everglades. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so the implications that like the nexus might exist on Earth is like holy shit, are they gonna introduce Man Thing in some way, shape or form at all? Don't um, hold your breath. <laughs> you know, if, if anybody listening like cares at all about really weird and silly comic books, Steve Gerber, who who wrote the original Man Thing and Howard the Duck, he was a freak. The guy was very obviously like heavily uh, into psychedelics and stuff like that back in like the early to mid seventies, and that stuff is a total trip. It's a blast to read. So, can we talk about the? Uh, I just. Not a great segue, but the aerospace engineering thing that we've been... Yeah, well, that's kind of where I was going to go to. Uh, Obviously, we haven't spoken about Monica uh, because she had a big place in this episode. But yeah, again, like that bait and switch or like complete middle finger to the fans. Like we spent weeks talking about who this mystery cameo can be and if it could even be the aerospace engineer at all. And then did they just... I uh, no. <laughs> when I rewatched the episode, my big takeaway uh, with that scene is that that probably is the aerospace engineer. The actual, uh, yeah, I do think it is, but I think it's a scroll, and it's probably the Talos's daughter is who I'm thinking. Like in that scene, you can kind of see uh, Monica's eyes. Yes, uh, she's a good actress, and like, you can really pick up that there's something there. Like they have a pre-existing relationship of some kind. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you brought Mm -hmm. that up because I kept thinking that this sword unit that uh, her name was uh, uh, Agent Goodner. Goodner, Yep, Major Goodner. I was thinking that they're scrolls also because there was like a really weird line where she says, um, and you're not the only one that we're loyal to. And then Monica gives the same kind of like – like sigh eyes that she had given any other yeah, time yeah, that yeah. Carol Danvers was brought up. So I'm thinking in my head, like, are, are these guys scrolls and they're loyal to Captain Marvel? Because it like it alluded to that too with the way Monica's um, you know facial expressions. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, it's pretty much confirms that she's got her powers now. This episode, and I really liked the effects they used uh, in every way with her character this time from entering the hex yeah when she was seeing the energy right yeah yeah the energy effect from that she sees is really interesting and then uh even like the eye color which is something that is not always that simple like i think back to the first fantastic four movie and and jessica alba's terrible contacts (laughs) uh Yeah. yeah and it's they pulled it off and it looks great and i'm i'm really liking her as monica so far yeah, the uh, the effect of where she was going into the hex um, reminded me very much of uh, the Robert Zemeckis movie Contact. Sure. 
I could see that with with the way it was, um, you know, it was like tearing her apart, yeah. and you were getting these uh, fragmented versions of her past and stuff like that. The way Jodie Foster was kind of getting torn apart, and she was hearing the voiceovers from her her father and all the stuff that was on the other side. The way we were getting like those flashback voiceovers of of uh, Carol and Nick Fury and the stuff when she was a kid. It looked a lot like. Um, like Zemeckis's contact and also uh, we've talked about it kind of often you know we've only had three episodes but the fucking special effects are sick on the oh, yeah. show it's definitely uh, very unique looking I can't, I can't think of another movie that had something similar to that right off hand uh, uh, I, I was kind of surprised that we didn't get anything uh, enlightening as to uh, why Monica feels the way she does about Captain Marvel and during that scene granted they probably would have had to pay Brie to do some voiceover work to do that. I mean I'm but... thinking I'm thinking that stuff is coming all in due time like oh, of uh, course one, of course uh, one of the they're using this as a clever uh backdoor pilot to uh to bring Spectrum or uh Photon or whatever yeah, you want to call it's her. It's almost like a prequel to Captain Marvel 2 which I think she's going to factor heavily into. I mean like we can yeah. take that base value and go with the obvious answer is you know, just like Earth, you know, Carol's abandoned, you know, Monica and her mother this whole time. And obviously her mother suffered while she was gone. And they were, you know, almost basically, you know, they, they almost smacked us across the head with it that they were, you know, a romantic couple, if, if you really want to. Uh, yeah. So you can just take it at face value that that's where the... um animosity comes from or maybe there's something that we haven't seen yet that they're gonna kind of no i was gonna say kind of stranger concept that i i wanted to bring up and i was kind of waiting for um do you guys think that only people who are snapped away are going to be affected in such a way by this hacks or whatever is like manipulating the genes like let's say you didn't get snapped away in the blip and then you get crossed the hex yep, barrier. I, I know exactly. I, I kind of was thinking the same thing at some point. Um, do you really think like that the, the yeah, do you think the blip manipulated their genes in a way like it, it took them apart and reconstruct them in a way that now when they're, you know, exposed to this kind of radiation or however they're explaining it in the MCU, um, you know, like second or a third time, that's kind of what's giving these people these abilities and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I had that basic thought, like um, maybe with Darcy having not been blipped and um, they're like just blip is one you need to have x y and z um to to start like being affected and maybe gaining powers if that's what they're going with mutants per se i don't know or just that's that's just how they're going to have other powered beings get their powers i don't know but i i definitely had that thought as well john you definitely have to wonder like why she gets powers and then the random beekeeper guy and darcy probably aren't going to (laughs) Uh, Poor beekeeper guy. Yeah, yeah well, uh, Jason, he mentioned <laughs> swarm like the the Spider Man villain. It's like a, a Nazi swarm of bees. Uh-huh. I feel like we talk about Nazis a lot on this podcast. It's, it's weird, yeah, we do. It gets brought up all the time. It's weird. It's almost well, like uh, are making villains. a comeback. We're all on a list somewhere so. now. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> what else? What else? Um, did we see much of Hayward from this episode? We didn't. Yeah, um, we we saw a little bit. One thing 
I kind of noticed with the Haywards that we, we got one scene of Hayward and it was him speaking with uh, some other, you know, sword agent basically about activating the vision. So now it is confirmed that Project Cataract, the stuff that we were kind of theorizing, like his secret plan from the episode prior was sword was weaponizing the vision for some way, shape or form or whatever, whether it be doing good or doing bad or whatever it is, but they were weaponizing the vision. And it seems like he's trying to activate the vision from inside of the hex while he's in inside the hex and they're outside the hex i did notice hayward um taking a look at the exterior of the hex and um the hex has edges and it's kind of like a three-dimensional um hexagonal prism which is yeah yeah, it's like a, a theoretical shape that doesn't exist in real life um and was very reminiscent to me at least of the tesseract which is another you know theoretical geometric shape that doesn't exist in in real life you know what i mean um but i I, we found out basically through darcy's email that she sent to to jimmy that hayward was the one who sent that message to vision and that email to vision inside the office and he was trying to activate the vision from the outside um so you know he's up to no good basically also if you remember in the first very first episode of wandavision when vision's trying to figure out what they do there at his job and uh the co-workers were saying you know we've never had more output uh since you started working here you know Mm-hmm. So our our, out, our our output's gone up like three hundred percent or whatever the heck the the line was. So there's obviously and and yeah, they were just they were Hayward's been tracking the vision. Yeah, the whole I just kind anyway, of so. I just kind of wonder like what sword. I'd like to know more about their history. Like how did they get their name? Uh, have they been trying to do this for a while, making weapons? So uh, it's kind of an odd name. Uh, it, it it's fucking a, badass name, Travis. <laughs> well, it, it should be no surprise that they're trying to weaponize Vision when, with a name like that. It's uh, pretty blatantly <laughs> nefarious. Uh, and it was the one letter that they changed um, yeah, yeah. in the acronym. So, I don't know. Yeah, and it makes you wonder if we'll ever get characters like Abigail Brand, who's like uh, that runs the comic equivalent and is, uh, has been in a relationship with Hank McCoy and uh, yeah, is has an interesting lineage. Uh, <laughs> One thing that I I might just be like looking for, you know, anything and just and just kind of wishful fanboy thinking. Um, but I keep thinking like Hayward is you know going to tear his mask off Mission Impossible style and be somebody Ultron. Yeah, that's that's what like Ultron or Kree basically. Well, that theory's come. The Ultron theory's coming back now, especially with like him tracking Vision. Like you know, obviously we all monitor fan theories and you know articles that write about Easter eggs. And I saw basically the Ultron resurgence theory come back after we saw that he was tracking Vision. And uh, didn't you point out that um, Ultron had uh, masked himself as? an infiltrator into i can't remember if that was you john or yeah he um there's an episode of the cartoon series um avengers um 
Earth's Mightiest Heroes or, or one of those from a couple of years ago where Ultron was basically some nefarious, uh, sketchy government agent uh, who eventually like tore his face off and was like, surprise, I'm fucking Ultron in disguise, right. um, which I could, you know, I, That's I a direct love. quote, I believe. <laughs> that was direct, direct yeah. quote from the children's, uh, the yeah, children's yeah. series. Surprise, surprise, bitches. You also should really specify which Avengers cartoon it is since one of them is like really good and then the other is not so much but yeah like it was a, the a good one it was part of the good one yeah <laughs> are we ready to talk about uh quicksilver or allegedly quicksilver i think we're jump. i think we're jumping the gun here guys because we totally glossed over the totally badass uh photon versus wanda fight outside you're right, of the you're house. Right. oh yeah yeah so <laughs> let's talk about that john yeah basically Wanda's coming out of the house because Monica Rambeau now has super fucking powers and lands a sick fucking superhero fucking pose. As Deadpool would say, the superhero landing. Yeah, and it was awesome, and it looked awesome. And her... her the uh, gratuitous? No, the, uh, the, the sword... Um, like uh suit that she had on was very re- reminiscent of you know a comic book uh um, yeah, kind of like the white and the costume black. yeah yeah mm-hmm. and um and basically she's about to knock boots with wanda and she's telling her like you can control this i'm here to help you and you know grief and pain and all of this it's part of life and it's part of who we are and i was running from it for for a long time and you're still running from it but it makes us who we are and let's do this and that's when um agnes comes out and says oh no no dear come with me and brings wanda into her buffalo bill style silence <laughs> of the lambs fucking house <laughs> good <laughs> but like i, I Kira and I both live in, uh, you know, the Northeast of the United States and a couple, I mean, I'd say a couple, but it was like two decades ago. Chicadas were, do you remember when chicadas were like everywhere in New York? Is that how those are pronounced? I think that's how they're pronounced. And, and Travis, have you ever seen one of these bugs? Oh yeah, we have them down here. And we, I want to say we had a year that was like that too. It's, uh, Sometimes yeah. insect plague. <laughs> they are gruesome looking, and yeah, they make a know, noise too. If I remember right, like it's oh, they strange. make a noise. They make yeah. a very strange noise, and they like burrow and they cocoon, and yeah. then they come out as these like big kind of moth beast things. Oh, yeah, sure. But um, you know, the the sound design was very clever in that scene, and you know we heard uh, Senor Scratchy and, and Yo Gabba Gabba kind of leering in the background, and then it zoomed in on the uh, on the cicada, which and flies also, which are very reminiscent of like rod or something being something to be an off, um, but that scene was very creepy, and that was the first kind of like hint that something was not right with agnes and agatha and um i just you know going back that's one of the big reasons kira that i wanted to bring it up was um the plants that seemingly yeah so there's a thing called the wondergore everbloom in marvel comics so wondergore mountain is where um wanda actually grew up 
and um there's a uh there's a plant that grows there this this everbloom and agatha harkness actually gave it to to vision and uh and wanda as their wedding gift and basically like when you when you take the the leaf of this plant it shows you what life could be like it gives you visions of like what life could be like perfectly but also like an extreme like excruciating sense of of pain um so basically it's like this magical plant and i i started thinking back you know we we talked in the beginning of the episode about um you know have you like gone back and like rewatched these episodes now knowing that you know agnes has agatha all along no pun intended um you notice in the first episode she comes over with a gift and it's a plant uh, you notice her spraying the lavender spray. Uh, you notice her giving her the drink. You notice her making her a cup of tea in this episode. And it's like, I wonder if the uh, the Wonder Bloom, um, I keep saying it, the uh, the Wonder Gore Ever Blossom, like has been what um, what Agatha has been using this entire time to kind of like sedate and drug um, Wanda. Does that probably, does, yeah? Is there any credence to this, guys? I kind of rambled for a couple of minutes there. No, uh, because obviously she Wanda needs to be. Um, she doesn't have her full faculties about her, so something needs to be keeping her, um, like you said, sedated or confused. Mm-hmm. And then, and then when we, when we you know get the one wanda rather and us as the viewers get this sense that like all is not well um in in westview in this house and she wonders where are the children and she says oh they're in the basement and then we start following wanda into the basement there's more of these wonder gore-esque uh, vines going down into the basement and she walks down into this basement and you realize it's a satanic uh like temple basically yeah you know with hexagons everywhere and so um, was everybody like okay so this is agatha harkness or were they when they saw that you know because we're all along for the ride with wanda at that point Uh, oh yeah guys thinking one one interesting thing that happens there too um and we haven't brought it up so much in this episode, but the aspect ratios change yep. when, you know, when they're going from whatever sitcom they're in to the real world. And yeah, when yeah. she opens the basement door, if you guys rewatch it and if any of the listeners rewatch it, when when she opens the basement door and goes down there, the aspect ratio actually flattens down to the um, the, the, the Marvel yeah. yeah, yeah, the widescreen that that we know of the MCU. Because we're entering our MCU WandaVision movie now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I really liked that final little bit. Like the first part of the episode was uh, a little slow for me because I don't have like I can't appreciate the Modern Family uh, uh, sitcom stuff because I've not seen the show. It's not like a, to- a cultural touchstone for me. But as it, we get towards the end, like the uh, the horror movie feel of the of the, mm-hmm. the finale there oh, was yeah. very satisfying. It wasn't extremely dark or anything, but it was just enough for this type of show for me. Uh, and then they kind of like made it completely zany with uh, Agatha's <laughs> show tune, <laughs> which, yeah, yeah. you know, very Munsters. Um, yeah, sound. fun fact Fun fact about that show tune, it was written by the same um, writing duo who wrote Let It Go 
um, from Frozen and all of the uh, the music for Coco. Well, how about that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when we when we get into that basement, um, and this is when things kind of started to click for me, where you know previously we've had Wanda's uh, powers and her abilities um, kind of explained to us by way of you know, science or whatever they called the miracles. And we knew it was infinity stone and cosmic blah, blah, blah. But, you know, she is a magical character and we're dealing with witches and we're dealing with sorcery and we're in the realm of the supernatural here. Like you said, it had that very horror movie feel. There is a grimoire. There is an evil book sitting there. I, I mean, you guys are convinced that's that's the MCU's version of the Darkhold, and we can kind of uh, forgo. You know, it had its ex- its appearances in like Agents of Shield, but yeah, yeah. Are you that's, you guys are convinced that's what that is, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, pretty much like the AD Scarlet Witch Invasion miniseries. Uh, there's a druid tome in there and the vines in Agatha's basement. I could see maybe being reference to that. But yeah, I definitely think the Dark Hold is the more interesting pick. And with that, like uh, the potential big bad being behind the scenes being Katon, the author of the writings in the book. Uh, uh, and this this show is actually going to give me an opportunity or a reason to go back and read the 90s Dark Hold series. It's, it's, uh, yeah, like I... I've said like the nineties uh Dark Hold series is very fun. It was kind of Marvel's way of uh giving us a kind of spooky almost like what Vertigo was doing at the time. But like you said, like Catan was like that's when I, I start like my 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 nerd boner starts really going <laughs> up because and, and my horror and you know, we all met like on horror movie uh message boards, but that's that's you know, the, the, the Darkhold is a grimoire very much like H.P. Lovecraft's Necronomicon. And yeah. very much like in H.P. Lovecraft's uh, mythos, um, Marvel has Elder Gods in their mythos. And these Elder Gods basically ran amok and all this all this, excuse me, I had the burp, all this, uh, all this stuff had to go down where like the literal embodiment of Mother Earth, her name was Gaia, banished them all and the most powerful of those uh was this guy Capon who basically wrote the dark hold and wrote this grimoire so like anyone uh who you know wants to wield this kind of magic will be able to in the future and that was you know like uh Sam Raimi's Evil Dead like bound in human flesh and inked in human blood like very necronomicon vibes and with Sam Raimi coming in for Doctor Strange 2 and the Grimoire we'll and everything I'm sure dude it's it's it seems like a perfect storm of everything and then Blade the the Grimoire's responsible for the first vampires the Grimoire is responsible for the werewolves by night like it really does open a, a whole can of worms is some really cool stuff in the same ways that the nexus opens a can of worms to some real cool science fiction stuff like welcome to the world of marvel horror you know? they kind of like from the get-go as far as uh dr strange and the multiverse of madness were saying this was going to be marvel's first the mcu's first horror movie which right away basically made Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness for me be my most eagerly anticipated Phase Four film, and it kind of still is. Um, that sounds crazy, you know. An actual—I mean, obviously it's got to be PG thirteen and within like the scope of a Disney MCU movie. But uh, 
I'm very eager to see what they're going to do with that. And you also have to wonder, like, we know that Deadpool 3 is coming. We know it's supposed to be R-rated. Will that open the door for them to do more uh, adult content in the MCU in some way? Uh, it's hard to, um, you know, it, it, you get worried about it uh, mold because, you know, the tone mm-hmm. would obviously have to fit. Like, it, it, will it meld well? Like, you know... One thing being like Blade ends up having to be rated R, which I'm not sure it's going to be. But Sam Raimi plays ball with PG 13, though. Um, very well, uh, too. Like, yeah, did you see Drag Me to Hell? Have either of you guys seen that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. it's PG 13. Like, uh, oh, yeah, PG 13 isn't uh, a death sentence for horror. There have been good PG 13 horrors, they're not super common, but it, it does happen, and uh. I have confidence in Marvel at this point. They haven't really uh, given me any reason not to so far. But the introduction to the Darkhold makes me kind of start contemplating whether or not Scarlet Witch's powers are kind of not retconned now that we have the, you know, the licensing for the X-Men. But, you know, when we see Doctor Strange's powers, which um, they call the Eldritch Magic, um it's all these geometric shapes that they're forming very similar to, you know, hexagons and the geometric patterns that have played so significantly into the show. Well, I think, I think Faggy had said that um, not necessarily a retcon, but however, um, you know, whatever unleashed what Wanda is, whether she's, it was because of a latent mutant gene or what have you um, that, um, she was always in, intended to be like a sorceress or a magician, and I think that's going to be addressed in you know by the end of this series and going into um, a multiverse of madness. Is that um, you know Doctor Strange had training, you know, and uh, uh, you know Wanda was kind of just thrown into this power by you know powers on you know that were above her, so. And has maybe incidentally become one of the most power powerful witches, sorceresses, or whatever you want to call it, in 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 this universe that we know of so far. Right? Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. It's uh, speaking of the Darkhold. It was kind of interesting that uh, there was supposed to be a twenty twenty Dark uh, Darkhold comic series that featured uh, Wanda in some capacity because of the uh, whole pandemic thing. It's been postponed and who knows when it really eventually pop up but it does make me wonder if they had an idea that it was going to pop up in the show and they wanted to have a little bit of a tie-in there was a recent oh. james robinson uh miniseries about scarlet witch too where um by taking the uh the wonder gore blossoms the witches were basically able to travel this magical path between dimensions called witches road um i haven't seen like I, I like that miniseries. I read the first like three or four issues of it. I'm a big fan of James Robinson because his run on uh, DC Starman is like one of my top five favorite comic books of all time. Uh, but I haven't seen a lot taken from it yet. But with uh, Marvel's kind of uh, tendencies to adapt more recent material, I could see them using like the Witch's Road or this kind of um, you know take this to access it. Um, kind of idea from that comic and adapting like newer material um basically i just want to put on wax at witch's road might be a thing <laughs> next week <laughs> yeah time will tell time will mm-hmm. tell 
gorgeous um, covers in that series. Oh, like beautiful covers. I, say, I wasn't as big on the story of that one. Like, I, I can barely remember anything about the story at this point, uh, but the artwork and everything is really worthwhile in it. Yeah, uh, agreed, agreed. Um, at the end of the day, uh, we, we basically got confirmation that um, – the the actor that Paul Bettany has been screaming and yelling, well, not screaming and yelling, but he's he's gone on record with uh, Vanity Fair and he's gone on record, I think, with Esquire magazine that uh, the actor who he's always wanted to work with his entire life. That's a quote, my entire life. Um who I had fireworks with on screen and plays a big part in the show was not Evan Peters. Obviously. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Um, so yeah, you've been drawing some shoestrings around your room for this one, I, I am. So I pulled up a, uh, an interview with, um, Paul Bettany from, uh, 2014 at a, uh, at a Comic-Con in, um, <laughs> in China where he, where, where he talks about like his biggest acting, um, uh, you know inspirations and he says marlon brando robert de niro and al pacino real francis ford coppola fan i guess yeah but we in 2014 pacino went on record i guess he like loved the guardians of the galaxy so much that like he called marvel to have a meeting (laughs) yeah (laughs) and um but I, i I would love to see Pacino play Mephisto or Nightmare. And just like, like I played a stork in this, uh, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I played this character called Senior Scratchy. <laughs> like, that would be a bombshell, guys. That would be yeah, a bombshell. It would. It would. Uh, oh, this is Matt correcting a, a good deal, but back on the casetas or uh, cicadas or whatever the fuck they're called. Uh, mm, they're uh, they're uh, symbols of rebirth and transformation. And, and it's not the only one of those types of creatures we've seen in the show so far. Like early on, you see butterflies and like mm-hmm. you can go back to Age of Ultron. You can see some of the same symbolism there. With this show, the butterflies, I just assumed was a... Uh, a House of M uh, reference with Layla Miller, that being her code name eventually, and uh, her being one of the only people that can see through uh, the uh, alternate reality, I guess, and into the real world. Maybe it's like a Kafka reference, and they wake up into a. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, it, maybe it's a, a callback to Ultron. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah. agree. It's a. Uh, are we ready for Quicksilver talk? You know, I yeah. have a theory about who he is that is not... Snooper's going to snoop. Yeah, so, <laughs> uh, again, we kind of talked about this as our first uh, end credits or mid-credits scene. And uh, so, yeah, Monica Rambo is about to ambush what's going on through the Bilko doors. And surprise, surprise, Snooper's going to snoop. What did you just call those? Bilko doors, right? <laughs> I don't know. I've never heard that term before. Those Bilko doors. Yeah. Oh, I learned something new today. There you go. Hell yeah! Like Sergeant Bilko. I don't know. That's what those fucking basement doors are called. Excellent, excellent. They better be. Right? Prove me wrong, uh, listener. <laughs> um. Hi, Jam's mom. <laughs> yeah. Hi, mom. <laughs> um. Yeah. So. Uh, 
Quicksilver or whoever that is. Talk, talk about it, Travis. Okay, I uh, I think it's uh, possibly her familiar in human form. And I think uh, Senior Scratch is a reference to Nicholas Scratch, which is Agatha Harkness's son in the comics. He's not a character that's been in a lot of stuff, uh, so I, I don't see a, an issue with taking a lot of liberties with how he's depicted. But uh, I could see that being who... Uh, uh, Evans is playing. He definitely uh, seems like a a henchman vibe in that. <laughs> I'm kind of hoping that because I once again I don't really want the box Quicksilver. Uh, uh, even though he was, we, good have, we still have some listeners that are uh, fully on board and committed to that. Kind of fun little thing, by the way. Just a sidebar before you get back to it. A Funko Pop for well, the Funko Pop line for Wandavision was John, released. And and um and the <laughs> bad medium. I keep forgetting podcasting is an audio medium. I'm making air quotes uh, because yeah, because the the Quicksilver figure is being released and it says quote Peter Retro. Maximoff quote in quotes yeah and so i looked at that and i was like well are all of the characters in quotes and they are not yeah do all <laughs> funko pops come with quotes i totally forgot to well i just thought like you know it's just it's this person i don't know and they're not and what is that an official uh funko pop uh you know was that the picture official and not that is official that is official so I don't know, I'm not going to believe anything until they fucking get this thing over with and tell you, <laughs> which I, you know what? I'm just waiting for it to go through the whole series and they don't even answer the fucking question. <laughs> I, I also think it's a possibility that he is a version of a Quicksilver, but not the Fox one. Uh, well, I think I said that like this, this episode maybe, maybe made me go back a little bit in terms of my confidence because, you know, whatever Agatha's doing in that basement, uh, she could have very well have ripped somebody from a multiverse and been mind controlling them, but I don't know. Still, still confident with my theory. I may or may not have money on it. <laughs> <laughs> Around twenty bucks or so. It's, it's nothing. It's nothing. It's uh... some chains. <laughs> exactly. it's, it's, it's worth it for the brag, man. Oh yeah, humble brag. <laughs> humble brag. I, I, I mean now. We know, you know, he's not the the nefarious like leader of this group. We know at least Agatha is like yeah, pulling the strings. Yeah. yeah, he would yeah. be. He would be basically a henchman or a flying monkey at this point. But or is he a rabbit. manifestation yeah. or a bunny rabbit or a bunny rabbit? Bunnies are yeah, known I'm, for their speed. Wasn't she? Like, oh yeah, because she was holding the bunny rabbit. Yeah, and then, yeah. yeah. They are. They are fast. Those little and they and they like mm-hmm. to fuck. Yeah, that was my favorite text the other day. Was like, rabbits are fast, right, guys? Travis asking us. <laughs> I wasn't asking if they were fast. I was. Uh, it was a phrase as if it were a question. I do a lot of that. <laughs> no, I got it. I got it. I'm, but, not, but I'm it, not just dreaming that shit up, right? <laughs> Those things are fucking fast, right? Oh uh, yeah. Oh, then like. The scratch name is obviously a reference to the devil. Like old scratch is a name for it. That is true. That's true. Yeah. I have never heard this until like well, you going on the internet after WandaVision. I've never oh, yeah. heard of the devil old scratch. Yeah. Uh, Catholic. Yeah, it's new to me. And you're Catholic? 
No. Oh yeah, that's that could be why I've heard I've heard them all. But um <laughs> I I I'm still holding kind of tight to my uh master pandemonium theory which is is seeming like it's yeah it's it's like it's it's reaching a uh it's reaching its demise which is a bummer because i felt so proud of myself i was like oh i'm gonna love when this is who it is but travis mentioned nicholas scratch before that makes literally the most sense um it's just a bummer that like I, I, I don't really know anything about Nicholas Scratch. I mean, he's appeared in like, what, 20, 30 comics? Yeah, comic volume had him listed at like 20 issues, so it's not... Uh... I, I mean, I would like to see... I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't know. Basically, at the end of the day, I, I hate to sound like a schmuck, but... Um, yeah, I'll, I'll be pleased with whoever they come up with, uh, pretty much. Like, it's... Uh, unless it's the Fox continuity quicksilver. Yeah, that, that would be a... They paid $70 billion a, to smear Fox's shit on their successful franchise, would be the way I view that. <laughs> and granted, it'll still be pretty nice, just a little more shitty. Uh, yeah. Anything else you guys got for the episode? Um, nothing much on the episode itself. Um, Travis, you got anything? No, no, I mean, we have the news, and then the voicemail, and then, like, the plugs uh, for the Facebook page. Yeah, I want page. to hear some of the news. Let's see. Uh, okay. Uh, Jesse Jones and the Punisher rights have returned to Marvel Studios. Uh, it's. Uh, I want to say that may be the last of the series that were like uh, being held up by Netflix. Uh, and I want to say there's been uh, rumors that those shows may disappear from Netflix uh, at some point. But uh, it'll be Which interesting. Which is kind of a bummer. Oh, absolutely. Especially since. They didn't really give those things good physical releases, if if so. Uh, We're not assuming them as canon, right? Uh, no, lesser canon at best at this point to me. I, I expect a soft reboot if they ever show up. Uh, Which there's already... I mean, I can kind of buy Charlie Cox being in... Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't necessarily want to throw the baby out with the bathwater with that. Because I, I did like Charlie Cox a lot as Daredevil. And like it... And I liked him in another movie, uh, Stardust, which is very Princess Bride esque, and it's written by Neil Gaiman, and it's it is it's terrific, and and it's got uh Robert De Niro as like a gay pirate, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, and Henry Cavill is in there as a, uh, Ooh, a as a gay pirate. <laughs> no, he is uh, one of the lesser villains. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Vince D'Onofrio is is fucking wonderful in that Daredevil show too. Oh, absolutely. I know, absolutely. I know it. That, that's like kind of like the worst crime against uh, you know if they if they do tossing them out. Yeah, because yeah. he uh. was just you know when when they when he was announced, I was like, holy cow! Talk about perfect. Yeah, and I adored Luke Cage. That was a. Luke Cage, the first season of uh, Jessica Jones, and uh, first and third seasons of of Daredevil. Like I was all in on those shows. I think I might have liked uh, the first season of Jessica Jones better than than any of them. I think that was kind of like my favorite. In terms, me of too. Like, me too. I mean, you have uh, Kilgrave, um, Tennant, David Tennant. Like, oh my god. Might have just played one of the greatest villains in the MCU by accident, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Later down the road, uh, Kilgrave's children, like the purple children, become like a major like Daredevil bad guy. And like the children of all the women that like he's like 
taken advantage of basically are like these little purple bad guys and it is creepy as hell interesting yeah uh, other than that, uh, there was a, a rumor from Charles Murphy of uh, Murphy's Multiverse, which is one of the more reliable scoopers, that Jennifer Lawrence may be involved in the uh, the Fantastic Four movie. Yeah, I'm not buying it. Yeah, I don't buy it either. He does uh, preface it by saying it, that it's just a rumor, and I kind of wouldn't uh, enjoy that. Like, I, I liked Mystique a lot in the comics, and... Uh, her phoning it in the last several movies uh, kind of hurt my enjoyment of that character in general. <laughs> it wasn't her fault entirely, but no. Uh, and uh, like with I brought up with her just being such a high profile actress, but I don't see her coming on board for a multi contract, which would surely be like many many films with a ten year um, commitment after having to do that in the for fox and the x-men films i just do not see her doing that and then basically writing off the rest of her career for the most part uh attached to another comic book franchise i don't see it yeah you gotta like kind of sideline your entire career to take on one of these roles and just be at the whim of the studio for whenever they do need you and jennifer lawrence seems way too um <clears throat> She she just doesn't seem like she would be she would be interested in that. She seems like she enjoys doing her her mother's and her Aronofsky and um, who's the other guy who makes uh, who made Three Kings and uh, American Hustle, uh, David O. Russell. David O. Russell, yeah, who I love. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's one yeah me too. Guys. I heard he's a fucking piece of shit, but but I love his movies. The uh, the article itself was kind of clickbaity in the imagery that it used. Like it, it makes you think that she's going to play Sue Storm. I could see maybe a villain of some kind, but I, I'm not drawing a blank yet. Fantastic Four uh, female villains. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I could see it being like a Kate Blanchett thing where she does a one and done. And that, that'd be fine. Yeah, uh, that would be fine. It would introduce some, uh, some uh, weirdness if Miss Death wind up being uh, Foxy's Quicksilver if she uh, is in Fantastic Four since uh, I don't know that they really reused any of the Fox X-Men as actors in the MCU yet uh, that I can think of. Uh, mm, I'd have to think on that. Yeah. yeah. Some, some kind Maybe of a lesser one going off in the back of my head about it. So if my listeners, our listeners, listener, John's mom, if you can, hey, mom. if you can think of it before I can get on online, you know, God bless your heart. Um, but yeah, um, I just think because by she had gotten so uh, burned out on not only just what it takes to you know superhero franchise movie making in general, but you know having to do the mystique makeup and like, yeah, yeah, and I can understand that burning you out, but I can't feel too much sympathy because I've never been paid millions of dollars to do anything. Well, I'm not saying <laughs> I'm sympathetic about it, but like I just, I'm just saying I don't see her. Yeah, signing on to a multi-line again, and then writing the rest of her, you know, her golden years off. So I'm in mean, agreement with you there. Uh, you said you had a few news items as well, John. I did. Um, Marvel, well, 
Disney Plus just announced a new series called Assembled, which is going to be uh, very similar to the Mandalorian making of uh, featurettes um, before and after all of their new uh, content, whether it be a TV show or a movie. So basically, once um, once WandaVision ends, we're going to get a cool little uh, making of series, and once. Um, Bucky and Winter Soldier and uh, whatever it's called, Falcon and Winter Soldier ends. We're going to get a cool little uh, making of. So I'm, I am interested in those. I geek out on that kind of stuff pretty hard. Mm-hmm. I like yeah. that too, yeah. Yeah, the Mandalorian uh, behind the scenes feature was really good. So yeah, it, it bodes well for it. Uh, I do wonder if it's just going to be like a single, like hour long thing or multi. Uh, we'll see. I guess it's because, you know, we've always had Blu rays and special features, and now at Disney Plus, it's not really. Uh, yeah. I actually am kind of worried that we'll never get some of these shows on uh, Blu ray. I'm still a physical media collector. I. Yeah, that's a good uh, point, Travis. And like, I worry about like future censorship <laughs> and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, uh, just... Like, where is uh, Charlie Cox's Daredevil going to go? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's uh... oh. the the Mandalorian making of was kind of fascinating, though, because the conditions in which that that show was filmed were so. It, not really groundbreaking because they used like actual like old school Hollywood in camera movie magic for lack of better words, uh, where they they projected the um, landscapes on screens, albeit they were gigantic round dome planetarium looking screens. Um, so it was really fun to see the cast and crew, especially with the crew that involved guys like um, Robert Rodriguez and John Favreau and Taika Waikiki. If I pronounce his name wrong, I'm sorry. Certainly not. Uh, yeah, it's so it's just fun to say Taika Waikiki. Um, but uh, so they did a really great job with that. So I'm excited that you know Marvel will have its kind of like equivalent to something along those lines. Uh, yeah, it's it's very interesting technology, like using a game engine along with uh, the 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 spherical uh, uh, camera or screens, rather. Uh, and that last episode was such a, a feel good. Anyway, we can't talk about Star Wars too much. Yeah, anymore. join us for our Mandalorian podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Be sure to subscribe to our Mandalorian podcast. Um, I was wondering also, that joke was coming back. Oh, it's never going to die. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the other big one that, um, you know, I mean, it's not really news, but uh, Pete and Reed kind of sent out a Valentine's Day uh, tweet with some concept art of uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp on a leaf of uh, yeah. Rose, which very was kind of cool. cute. Very yeah, cool. it was very cool. And it was hashtag Quantumania, and I'm very excited for another Ant-Man movie. Me too, me too. Yeah, especially with the Nexus 2 talking this week and knowing Kang is coming, like the larger yeah, implications yeah. of Ant-Man 3 are so fucking cool. Like, make Ant-Man 3 important, you know what I mean? I feel like Ant-Man 2 got sidelined so hard, but, like, it led into Endgame. Like, it was really it important. Did. Like, it, it's like you couldn't delete it, you know what I mean? And Scott was, like, our audience surrogate for Endgame. Absolutely. You know what I oh, mean? you want to go to space, boy? You want to go to space? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, he was the dude sitting there eating tacos, like, being like, holy shit, I'm sitting next to the hole. One of my favorite moments at Endgame with Scott is when... Thor is, you know, doing his PowerPoint presentation on the ether 
And like the other Avengers kind of roll in their eyes, like of like how much of a hot mess Thor is and telling the story. But like Scott is so fucking enamored with what <laughs> he is saying and so happy to just be sitting in that fucking room listening to Thor talk about this shit. You got to go back and watch it and see uh, Paul Rudd's face. Like he's just so fucking happy to be there. Yeah, Paul Rudd is a is a hard actor to if if you're not in love with Paul Rudd by the end of a Paul Rudd movie, you you probably are fucking seriously (laughs) just come out of the closet already because you are just (laughs) the 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 other one is um and I'll again um if you're into this and you're listening and you've made it one hour and fourteen minutes into an MCU podcast, the MCU uh Beyond Infinity podcast Facebook group is very active. We're all over it. Um you know, I had posted some images on there and we'll post images of all of these things on there, but of the uh, Hawkeye set uh, with Kate Bishop and Hawkeye like donning, not the mask, but pretty comic accurate uh, costumes. It's pretty fucking rad to see this this series up in full swing. Yep. I want to thank both of you guys uh, for being keeping that kind of afloat this week and as well as our moderators and just our our members um you know i am in a in the middle of a move so um i'm hoping to be um a little more active in it but i have great people i got my fellow co-hosts who are just picking up the slack so well and uh great moderators and just a great group in general but we're getting a lot of activity and a lot of uh discussion so i I couldn't be happier yeah and shout out to jason from uh sinister cinema reviews um again if you made it this far into the podcast and if you're on the uh the facebook group jason is awesome on youtube he's a really bright guy i've loved talking the talking shop with that guy whether it be movies comics or just general bullshit for the better part of a decade it's a highlight of my day yeah i don't think the guy sleeps either it's like watches like <laughs> i do six wonder movies how he a day movies and... And it's insane uh dedication uh, yes jason we love you speaking of um as I post in the Facebook group, if you would like to leave a uh, voicemail or listener question or even email us at mcubeyondinfinitypodcast at gmail.com, you are more than welcome to and we will read it or play it on the show. And our good friend David, who <laughs> I love David so much, he's he's a blast. Um, I have such similar tastes to this guy and and I, I've had a blast uh, going back and forth, David, again for, for 10 years or so. Yeah, I love um, David too. We uh, we always like to talk about uh, how did this get made podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we're he, both great big fans of that. Yeah, he's a he's a comic guy. He's a movie guy. He's a comedy guy. He's, he's an all around good dude. But uh, David... Uh, left us a voicemail so here it goes you guys ready i'm ready today man. all right hey everyone this is david i sound like this um so i've been enjoying the podcast um feels like even though we've been talking online for a long time i'm kind of learning even more about you guys and that's fun and i yeah i've been enjoying what i'm hearing so keep it up and i guess i don't know i was trying to think of a question or a topic to uh give you guys but uh the first thing that comes to mind is i know that john is a huge Zack snyder fan 
and I wanted to know what property, what Marvel property he would love to see Snyder tackle. Let's see, like, let's say his dream, John's dream of having Zack Snyder be a big, significant part of the MCU came true. What would happen? Like, like, what would we, what would he want to see? What would all of you guys want to see? What characters would he bring to life? Uh, just the endless possibilities. Okay. Um, I think that's it. So thank you for your time. All right. First off, David, you knocked it out of the park. That that it seriously killed me, um, especially coming off the uh, the Schneider cut uh, trailer, which had uh, me just sitting in my seat cringing, and I and yeah, I couldn't bitching stop. like a lo- <laughs> yeah like a lunatic. Like I I loathe this guy, and and you know I. I- <laughs> <laughs> he just makes miserable looking movies with oh miserable God. characters I about mean... miserable things. <laughs> but to to answer David's question very sincerely, so we know Schneider has only read the comic book works of one author, and that is <laughs> obviously Frank Miller. Because he can't seem to adapt anything other than the Dark Knight returns over and over and over and over and over again. So for <laughs> like the worst reasons possible, and it makes it even worse because Zack Schneider and, and Frank Miller are two just they're they're quintessential edgelords. So to answer your question, I would say um uh Born Again, Daredevil, or or Electra. I think <laughs> I think that's what Zack Schneider would do do some justice to. What about you guys? Um so yeah, I, I, I thought about this because obviously I had time to think. But um, Zack Snyder, why well, I don't think it's a good idea. Um, <laughs> he's just so distinct. And we talked about our tour directors in our last episode, but um, he's so visually unique. And I'm, I don't think uh, Feige and, and Marvel and Disney would let him have that kind of control over his movies. And quite frankly, I don't think Zack Snyder would be able to do it without like that type of artistic control and probably why he has uh these issues that he's had this whole time with warner brothers um i just think he's too unique to play ball with uh the mcu visually is is ripping something off uh, page to screen unique or is that play well i just mean like you know the slow motion bullshit and um <laughs> oh bullshit <laughs> that's what uh, unique listen means. listen i want to tell but let me preface all this by saying i love batman versus Su- superman the ultimate oh, edition at oh, oh, oh. uh, the ultimate edition and i yeah, am you had very to make another version for it to make fucking sense well that's because the studio kept dipping their spoons into the soup so unless you wrote a coherent movie so it actually made sense oh for christ's sake <laughs> Um, where Jimmy Olsen gets his head shot. I, again, I, don't, I don't know what the hell, what was that about? Like, okay, again, like, listen. It was listen. a fun, fun moment for the fans that loved Jimmy it sure, Olsen. It sure was. Oh, like you, you guys were wondering where Jimmy Olsen was in uh, Man of Steel. Here he was. <laughs> so, um, and I'm, I am looking forward to uh, the Snyder Cut of Justice League. At least, like... <laughs> You know, because the abomination, that Frankenstein's monster of, you know, that third Schneider, the rest, Whedon cut, whatever the hell that 
that mess was that fever dream that just like awful awful piece of filmmaking um I'm looking forward to seeing what's going on with the Snyder cut, but, uh, and I, I, I love Zack Snyder. And in fact, I love uh, that Dawn of the Dead remake. The one that starts with uh, the, the, the Muslims praying and with all the, <laughs> okay. So <laughs> I think that movie's weird. So obviously Zack Snyder fucked one of John's ex-girlfriends. because. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't dislike him as a director or an auteur. Obviously, like John doesn't want him anywhere near a comic book movie. Oh, no, I don't want him anywhere near anything. I think he um, makes miserable movies. I prefer him not to be in my MCU. Uh, if I had to pick um, uh, something for him to do. Nah, I don't want him near it. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, David. I love you. Travis, what, what say you? Okay, uh, I'll, I'll preface this by saying I don't hate Zack Snyder's work in general. Like, there's a few I'd like. Uh, I Sucker Punch? Just... No, no not one. Uh, I read the it. Guardians of Gahul? <laughs> no, no, uh, 300 back when. I haven't seen it in years. And... Oh, the movie that got the American <laughs> troops pumped to kill brown people. I remember that one. <laughs> Jesus Christ. David, yeah, you that's have the broken John. Like. And I, have, I hope we get him back by next uh, week's episode. Uh, and this is why we don't have a DCEU podcast. But we never agree. <laughs> It'd be eight hours. It, no. uh, I'm excited for Snyder Cut in the sense that I wanted to see what he originally intended, though I strongly suspect it. They're going to cut out all the bits I like. Uh, actually, liked about that movie. The, uh, How do you like that Joker meme moments. come to life? <laughs> oh boy! What were they doing there? I mean, we live in a society where that's acceptable. Yeah, I've made like a real smart ass smarmy. Uh, we live in a society <laughs> comment and scheme. <laughs> I'm just blown away that they they they're bringing back that version or. Jared Leto was a joker, I guess, giving him a mulligan or whatever. Which I will say that I did. Wa- I spent the better part of yesterday. I think it was yesterday. God, it's been Groundhog Day for me since I've been doing this move. But uh, watching uh, YouTube uh, react video reactions to the uh, Schneider Cut trailer. God, I can watch. Uh, like, as long as it's a good action superhero movie that comes out with this, like, you know, long awaited trailer, I can watch reaction videos all the way along the day. It's one of my I did that also with the Mortal Kombat trailer that dropped. Stay tuned to our reaction video podcast. Yeah, and shout out to Mortal Kombat and our uh, Mortal Kombat podcast. Get over here. Like and subscribe. Uh, to answer the question, though, I it would be probably The Punisher. I, Bingo. I, I'm not saying that I would want him to, but I could see how his aesthetic could work for that. The desaturated look. Uh, assuming he doesn't make it so desaturated that you can't see blood properly, like that's uh, uh, and the character's dark enough that he would, I assume, enjoy it somewhat. Uh, and he probably wouldn't get the subtlety the same way like cops <laughs> wear <laughs> Punisher stuff on their uniforms, and they don't understand. Oh yeah, what the yeah, yeah. It, it, it's yeah, an indictment of the failure probably, of the justice system. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Schneider probably wouldn't get any of that either. Oh yeah, there, there'd be no getting it back from them, and not the symbol uh, from them if <laughs> he made one. I think. Uh, okay, I yeah, actually, that would I, be my pick. Good, uh, that's a good pick. I actually, I, I did think of something that he would be perfect for. Woo-hoo. Uh Squirrel Girl. Oh. <laughs> that would be perfect. Yeah. That would uh, be yeah. perfect. A marriage made in heaven. Oh. Perfect. Knocked it out of the park. <laughs> oh boy. We got uh two more episodes of WandaVision guys. You guys both excited? I'm hoping for longer episodes, but 
uh, same here, same here. You guys think we're getting ramped up for some uh, some punchy punchy? <laughs> um, there's that that one part of the uh, the trailer that they've been showing since the beginning about uh, you know, where, which was kind of I guess a spoiler. I don't even know if I should bring it up, but I guess everyone's watched all the trailers. Uh, there You're is- an hour and twenty five minutes into a fucking podcast. But basically, where Vision is talking to Wanda about defending you know, their home. So obviously we knew that vision and Wanda were going to get back on the same team. And, um, uh, yeah, I think we're going to see our MCU WandaVision movie. Now. Yeah. I'm stoked. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I'll be a little more energetic next time. Just a long week for me. I apologize guys. I had, Ooh. I had both of you guys picking up the slack big time. So I can't no thank need you enough. To be sorry. No need to be sorry. This is, I've, I've been looking forward to doing this all week guys. So this yeah. Is awesome. You're you guys were the stars of this episode. All right, should we uh, should we sign off? Yeah, I'm John. I think so. Kira, Travis, love you guys. Bye.